good morning, church. Good to see you. Always good to get to speak to you. And uh, I trust that you'll join in prayer as we speak, that God will open our hearts and minds to receive, receive that which he has for us that does not include that ringing. <laughs> no, uh, Brian's got it. He's got it. Uh, uh. We're in the book of Psalms, chapter 7 today, continuing the Psalms they're walking through in the summer that Michael has started. Ed has done one, and uh, now it's uh, me for ch Psalms, chapter 7. Uh, Psalms chapter 7 is called a Shigeon of David. That big fancy word means it's a mournful, wild, emotional song of trouble or comfort. So it's kind of whatever you want it to be. <coughs> um, the occasion of this Psalms is that David, uh, the young shepherd boy who has been anointed to be king of Israel, and uh, uh, by the prophet of God, because Saul could not keep his uh, business all straight, uh, uh, David has, has come uh, and, and begin to uh, walk the walk that will finally bring him into the, the kingship. Uh, and in this Psalms, David is going to tell the Lord everything that he has not done wrong. Um, and you have, to, you have to look at it. As we look at this, you have to know and understand that. David did not ask for any of this. He was a shepherd boy on the backside of the desert, minding his own business, killing a few bears and a few lions when they, when, they met, when, they, when they came around too close. And then one day the old prophet came and said to his father, the next king will come from your sons. He trotted out all the linebackers, tight ends, fullbacks, big strong men of valor. And the old prophet said, the king's not here. He said, is there another one? And I think old Jesse had to stop and scratch his head a minute, and he thought, oh, <laughs> the squirt. Ruddy of complexion, short, a runt, not even a proven man of valor, not even a proven warrior. He's on the backside of the desert tending sheep somewhere. We don't see him about once a week when he comes in to bathe, and you don't do that very often. But surely he's not going to be king. The old prophet said, bring him, and they did. And as soon as the old prophet saw him, God whispered in his ear, this is the king. Wasn't very long until David moved into the house of Saul. He began to live there. Him and Jonathan, as you well know, became great friends. Jonathan even helped him as he tried to run from his father from being killed. Jonathan was one of his allies. It's a strange thing. Saul, I think, was probably bipolar. He was happy one moment, sad the next. He could uh, be on your side one minute and, and hate you the next minute. David was the one person that could get his harp, his flute, his, his, uh, his musical instrument, and he could si sing and, and he could uh, soothe the savage beast that was within Saul. And yet Saul sought to kill him. At some point in time in the book of Samuel, it's recorded that a man came to Saul and said, David has become a traitor. He wants to kill you. He wants your kingdom. It's all about him. It's all about him. And you need to watch your back. In this passage of scripture, this, this man is known to us as Cush, the son of Kish, the Benjamite. A lot of Bible scholars think that this was probably Saul himself that made up this story that gave him an excuse 
to go out and try to kill David uh, even the more so because he could prove that he was a traitor. Really doesn't matter who it was, but uh, for, this, for this lesson, we'll look at Cush, the son of Kish, the Benjamite, that, that went to Saul and said to him, David hates you, he's a traitor, and he wants to kill you. And that's where we come to in Psalms chapter 7 and verse 1. If you have not figured it out by yet, in the world that we live in, slander and libel and tearing down someone's character has become an art. In the old days, it was an accident. Somebody heard a half-truth and told a fourth of that, and then somebody else heard it, and it's kind of like the old gossip game you played when you were in, in a, a youth department years ago where you start out whispering to one person, 40 people later, it's a totally different story that comes out because they can't keep it straight. But in our world, we know and have proof that our media says things that are not true, they do it on purpose because they know that part of the world will believe it. And guess what? It takes, and sometimes you can't even do that. You can't undo that. Once a person forms an opinion of your character, it is almost impossible to change that. Here's where David is. Uh, I look at this as David throwing a small temper tantrum. David did as we should do when we're in, in distress, when we're in trouble. Oh, Lord, my God, in verse 1, I seek refuge in you. Save me from all my pursuers and rescue me. They will, or they will tear me like a lion, ripping me apart with no one to rescue me. Here David opens uh, uh, his case against uh, Cush. Uh, he opens it with, Lord, I am in trouble. This man is attacking me. This, these things that he's saying are, are terrible things. And, and, and Lord, I have no refuge except in you. Can I say to you today, as David gave us the example here, Whatever the emergency is, whatever your, your condition is, wherever you're at in your walk with Christ, it's never wrong to rely on God. It's never wrong to trust Him. You say, oh, but I don't want to bother Him. Oh, I don't want to do this. It's never wrong to trust God. David cried out, oh, Lord, my God. That is our special ability that we have God gave it to us he gave us a special covenant he sealed it with his son Jesus blood on the cross of Calvary he certified it and sealed it by the Holy Spirit of God down deep in our soul it is our God-given right in our deepest darkest moment to cry out in pain and in agony and in need and cry to him oh my God please come and help me in verse 2 he said because Lord if you don't I'm done for. My enemies will tear me limb from limb and tear me to shreds. The old English preacher Charles Spurgeon, he said, in my distress, in my darkness, I may shake, but my rock never moves. Guys, let me tell you something. We may shake and we may, we may wobble and we may fall, but our foundation is firm. It will never move. And David knew that. 
Then David gave his proclamation of innocence. He went from, from crying out to God like a, like a, like a three-year-old, Lord, I, these people hate me. They, they're saying bad things about me. They don't like me. I didn't do it. And then he goes to his innocence. And I love this because this is a, a, a true statement of an innocent man. Lord, my God, if I have done this, if there's injustice on my hands, if I have done harm to one at peace with me, or have plundered my adversary without cause, May an enemy pursue and overtake me. May, may he trample me to the ground and leave my honor in the dust. Selah. Let me break that down East Texas lingo to you. Lord, I'm going to show you all the emails. I'm going to show you all the tax returns. I'm going to show you all the pictures. I'm going to call all the witnesses. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to show you the videos. I'm going to show you everything about this thing. I'm going to open my heart, my life, and there's no corner that you're not welcome to. There's no evidence that you can't tell the world. And if I'm guilty, if you find one iota of truth to this claim, let me be trampled in the dust of the world's ridicule. I'm going to tell you all something. I'm a good guy. I am. Y'all know me. But there's some things about me you don't get to know. I have a daughter sitting right here. She knows that she will disappear and never be seen again. <laughs> if she tells things that she shouldn't tell. I, on the other hand, can tell anything. I'm a preacher, so I, I have that right and liberty. I'm not a bad guy, but there's parts of my life that you don't need to know. But David said, Lord, look at all of it because I'm innocent. And then he does. I, he's, he's growing. He's gone from throwing a tantrum, and now he comes to verse 6. He becomes the six-year-old child. Those of you that have raised children, maybe at least two children or maybe two grandchildren, and one of them does something the other one doesn't like, and there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, and, and I go in to rescue or to referee, and I say to one, what happened? And he's like, he did it. <laughs> and I don't beat my grandchildren at all. I say to them, well, do I need to, do I need to spank him? Yes, you do. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, and like I say, I've never used a belt on one of my grandkids in their life. And they say, Pops, I will go get the belt for you. And boy, off, they're gone. And they come back and hear you. I said, you really want me to beat him with this belt? Yes, I do. <laughs> you think he deserves it? Yes, I do. You know, and really truly, they didn't do anything. But one of them wants this one. He wants him to pay. David said, Lord, rise up in your anger. God doesn't rise up in anger. We're going to find out here in a minute. Lift yourself up against the fury of my adversaries. Awake for me. You have ordained a judgment. I love it when God gives us the right to be human because we are human. I know that y'all think your children and grandchildren are perfect. They're not. I know that y'all think your pastor, pastor, worship leader are perfect. We're not. But that's okay because God knows we're human. Here he gives that. I want you to listen at, at what, I mean, if your children talk to you like this, they'd be in the room and come out skinny because they wouldn't get no supper, breakfast, or dinner. <laughs> Look at what he said. Lord, where are you? 
I'm going to give you what, he, what he's saying here. Rise up, Lord. In other words, he's implying that God is off somewhere taking a nap. God's off somewhere doing something else. He's not sitting. The courthouse is empty. The courtroom is empty. There's no judge on the bench. Lord, where are you? Lift yourself up. Lord, get up out of bed and come and help me. And then he goes even a step further. He said, Lord, would you just wake up and pay attention? That's what I'm saying to some of y'all today. Wake up. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you, know, uh, 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 you know, Lord, I mean, David is saying to him, Lord, where are you? You've left. You're not in, you're not in your judgment seat. You're, you're asleep. The Lord never sleeps, guys. David grows from Psalm 7 to Psalms 121 because he said, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. As we serve the Lord, the Lord's inactivity, the Lord's often seemingly slowness to come to our aid, Sometimes God's silence is deafening to us. Sometimes God's silence is tiring and, and we get so impatient. Uh, we pray and we pray and we pray for God to give leadership, for God to give guidance, and it's just silence. Then David said, let the assembly of peoples gather around you, take your seat on high over it. David's beginning to get to where he needs to be. David, his heart is beginning to turn. He's gone from throwing a temper tantrum, they hurt my feelings, and I want you to come down and spank them, to God, where, are you on vacation? Are you sleeping? Would you just wake up and take care of, of these people that are hurting me? And then he finally sees the Lord where he's supposed to see him. Lord, let the people gather around you as you take your, take your seat on high. Verse 8, the Lord judges the people. This is an odd verse because uh, be careful praying this. Lord, according, uh, ju vindicate me according to my righteousness and my integrity. I think I don't want him to judge me with my righteousness. But that's not what David's saying. David here is giving you a little, a little look into Psalms 139 in verse 23 when, the, when he fell on his knees and he cried out to God, Oh God, search me. Know my thoughts. Know my heart. And see if there's any wicked way in me. David is saying to the Lord, In this case, in this instant, I'm not guilty. I'm innocent. I'm righteous. I have integrity. I did nothing wrong. Lord, search me and know that. Then he prayed the prayer of every Christian and every Christian martyr for the ages. Let the evil of the wicked one come to an end, but establish the righteous. Oh, we pray daily. I pray daily, this church prays daily that the wickedness of this world would abate, 
that the wickedness of this world would stop, that the wickedness around us would just, would just pull back and that righteousness would be established. The one who examines the thoughts and the emotions is a righteous God. From the third and fourth, fifth verse down to the ninth verse, David has gone from God, just throw lightning bolts at him and kill him. In your anger, in your wrath, and in your judgment, just kill the people that I don't like. But in verse 9, he's getting back where he needs to be because he said, the God we serve is a righteous God. And then verse 10, I love verse 10 because uh, David is starting to open his eyes. My shield is with God who saves the upright in heart. East Texas translation. Oh, sorry, God, I forgot that you're God and that you know all about this and that you're going to protect me and you're the one that brought me here. You're the one that put me here. You're the one that's doing the work through me. I didn't ask. This is your business, not my business. I just forgot for half a minute. God's going to tell you, your shield is the Lord. I love the church. Y'all know that I'm a church guy from, from the ground up. Without the church, I don't believe the ministry of God can be accomplished. I'm not talking about this building. I'm not, I'm not talking about one specific group of people. But the saved of God, the children of God that he has called and ordained, we're priests and royal. We're part of a royal priesthood. Without the church, the work of God, I don't believe, can be accomplished the way that God wants it to be. But our shield is the Lord. Our shield is God. When you go out into the world... You can flash a track that says Rocky Baptist Church. <laughs> I saw a guy this week, uh, and we was at a, at a basketball tournament, and he had on a cap, and it had two little antennas, and it had a sign between it that lit up. I don't even know what the sign said. I was so taken back by the cap that I, I, didn't, I didn't read what was on it. He, he kind of lost me in that deal. But you can have a sign that says, I'm a church member. The world doesn't care. There's a church on every corner. In my new job that I do for the Southern Baptist of Texas, I go to a little town down south here called Crockett, Texas. Crockett, Texas, I think is 9,600 people. I have Southern Baptist of Texas churches in that town of 9,600 people. I have 11 Southern Baptist of Texas churches. 11. <laughs> Had to have a toe or something up there. I don't know. You say, what's your point? Churches are a dime a dozen. The true church of God is a rare thing. But where we go, we don't hide behind the church. Where we go, God is our shield. He's our protector. He's our guide. He's our leader. And we must follow him. Verse 11, God is a righteous judge and a God who shows the wrath every day. Again, Spurgeon said, remember, your enemies cannot sit on God's throne, nor can they blot your name out of the book of life. Let them alone, and God will time, find time for his revenge. Uh, you know, uh, revenge and vengeance is truly God's, not ours. Verse 12, very pointed verse of Scripture 
If anyone does not repent, the Lord will sharpen his sword, for he has strung his bow and made it ready. He has prepared his deadly weapons. He tips his arrows with fire. God said, if you don't repent, God's judgment. <laughs> Again, East Texas, he's cocked and loaded. He's loaded, cocked, locked. He's ready to go. Judgment is sure. You say, oh, Brother Danny, the people down the street from me, their house is bigger, their cars are newer, they've got four boats, and I've only got three. They have two deer leases, I only have one. They get to go on vacation ten times a year, I only get to go six. Why does it seem like God is blessing them more than he's blessing me? He's not. It's a thing we call life. But you mark it down. One day all the boats, houses, vacations, money will mean nothing when the wrath of God falls on a nation and on a people that have turned their back on him. Verse 14, David said, See, the, the wicked one is pregnant with evil, conceives trouble, and gives birth to deceit. But he dug a pit and hollowed it out, but then he fell into the hole that he made. His trouble comes back on his own head. His own violence comes down on top of his head. The Word of God says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against thee in judgment shall thou shalt condemn. I read a story this week as I was preparing for this. Emperor Charlemagne, back in the early dark ages, way back yonder, he had become so great and so powerful, he decided to commission a great bell to be built. He searched the country, found a metal smith, and he, got, he hired this guy to build this monster bell. And he told his people in the treasury, send him the gold, the silver, everything he needs to make this bell. As he began to make this bell, he, made the, he cast the outside exactly as called for. But then he looked at all this silver that he was going to make this big ball out of that, that hangs down in the bell, clapper, and, and rings back and forth and rings the bell. And as he looked at that silver and he looked at the tin that he had in his shop, he said, if I make this out of cheap tin and polish it up good, and hang it way up in that bell tower, nobody will know the difference, and I will get to keep the silver for myself. They hung the bell after he finished it. The people tried to ring it. It wouldn't work. They called for him. He came and said, let me see what's wrong, and he began to pull and got a little rough with it. The tin was not strong enough, and that giant clapper fell out of the bell, fell and hit him on the head and killed him. It's what we call all the chickens coming home to roost. You think you can run from God? You think you can hide from God? You think that, that you can do evil and God not know it? And then David finally got to where he needed to be in verse 17. He's gone from throwing a temper tantrum and begging God and tattling and I'm so alone and I'm the only one and they, they hate me and they don't like me. and uh, Now just kill him. Just kill him, God. Spank him. Throw lightning bolts. I don't care. Just, I'm, I'm, just please. But in verse 17, he becomes the man he's supposed to be. 
He said, I will thank the Lord for his righteousness. He said, what does he mean by that? He said, God knows what he's doing. Not my business. My business is to serve. I will sing about the name of the Lord Most High. One of my favorite verses of Scripture, I quote it weekly, if not daily. Psalms 37, verse 25, David said, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's children begging bread. So what does that mean? It means that the Lord is righteous. The Lord is a just judge. And so today we've learned about four things, and I want to give them to you quickly. First of all, we learn that it's okay to cry out to God when we feel wronged or hurt. There's nothing wrong when you get your feelings hurt, whether it be by your husband, your wife, your children, your co-worker, uh, the world in general. There's nothing wrong with going into your prayer closet and turning your face to God and say, Oh, God, how could they say that? How could they hurt me in such a way? Secondly, we learn that God hears our cries for help and comfort. Our problem is, and I, we say it all the time, we want God to answer our prayer with our answer right now. We're like a kid. When I, I was at, the, at the, the Jeep place, my Jeep had an issue this week, and I, I, mean, I didn't even know there was such a thing anymore. I'm at the Jeep place, and I'm, you know how you are when your car is broke down? Number one, I'm worrying about how many millions of dollars I'm going to have to borrow to get it fixed and get it out of there, and I'm pacing back and forth in the dealership, and the guy said, you can sit down. I said, I ain't sitting down. <laughs> Fix the Jeep and tell me how much. And I'm walking back and forth on the front porch and it's kind of drizzling rain. I'm back and forth and back and forth. And then I hear it. And I'm like, what is that? And I listen and it's like, ice cream truck. The world's a better place to live. All the problems went away. I didn't know they had ice cream trucks anymore. God is not a parent when the ice cream truck comes around that just gives the kid money and says, go, go, go. God is a just and righteous God that has a plan for your life and he knows what you need and he knows what's best for you. But he hears your cries for help and comfort. We learn and are reminded daily that judgment day is coming for those unbelievers and those that are against the cause of Christ. Don't take joy in that because our job in this world is to reach the lost. But no, judgment day is coming for yourself and for everyone else too. And finally, the point of the message, and I saved it for last. I usually give the title in the beginning. I'm giving you the title at the end. Keep calm and carry on. You see what David did? He threw the tantrum. He begged for judgment. He begged for God to kill people. Then he said, oh, I forgot your God. Just and righteous. In this world that we live in, very little fairness Christians become more and more, we're going back to the dark ages. We become more and more hated and thought less of every day that the world goes around and around. 
then what are we going to do? We're going to keep calm and keep doing what we do. We just came out of a year, 18 months, still going through it. Uh, my aunt, her husband, and her son are all three. Two are in the hospital, two in ICU, one on a ventilator. They sent her home. They all have COVID. Uh, the, my, my uncle's not going to survive it, I don't think. COVID has changed some of your lives. You've lost loved ones. You've lost friends. It has made you a different person. It's caused us to have fear that we never knew. It's caused us to do things we said we'd never do. And, and, and I mean, it has. Very few, if any, people are untouched by this pandemic that we just went through. We just baptized nine people. You say, why? Because we have a pastor and a staff and leadership in this church that when things get tough, they said like this verse of scripture, we're going to keep calm, <laughs> in public anyway, we're going to keep calm and we're going to carry on. We're going to trust God and we're going to carry on. We're going to keep preaching the word. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep doing what God left us here to do and we're going to carry on. Paul said in 2 Timothy, there's going to be proud men, boasters, lovers of money, disobedient people, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, those without control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power from such people turn away. <laughs> Man, he wrote the headlines for Houston Chronicle, didn't he? Those people exist in our world. He said, but you who have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my love, my perseverance through persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. Then he got down to the last verse. He said, Timothy... The scripture is given to you for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness because the man of God needs to be and will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You say, how are we going to keep calm and carry on? Because we're equipped for it. God never sent us into battle. They didn't give us the tools to do the job. I don't know what you're going through today. I know there's lots of people here going through lots of things. This week, my phone has rang off the hook. Baby's sick, kid's sick, mama's sick, daddy's fallen, surgery here, heart problems here. I mean, it just, we just have a plethora of things going on. And it's been kind of calm, but I mean, the last two weeks, the, the, the lid just kind of boiled over. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe money, maybe marriage, maybe spouse trouble kid trouble, grandkid trouble, job trouble. I don't know. Sometimes the devil just gets on us and, and we're our own worst enemy. He torments us from inside our own head. Sometimes we're a lot like David. We think we're tormented. You know, you husbands and wives know what I'm talking about. When she looks at you from the kitchen and we're like, uh-oh, what did I do? My wife and I had one of those moments this week we went to a basketball tournament with my grandson for a couple of days and came home. She is a bed-making Nazi. The bed must be made. 
I'm scared not to make it. Used to, I kind of made it when I wanted to. I'm scared not to make it now. I'm getting a little older, a little weaker. I'm, you know, I'm scared. We walk in at 8 o'clock last night. I go in the bedroom, and I'm like, because the bed wasn't made. And my mind was just in a panic. Oh, my gosh. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I left Thursday, and she slept in this bed Thursday night, and she left Friday. <laughs> and I said, hey. And she said, what? And then she was like, <laughs> she said, did I do that? I said, no, you did not do it. It's still in made. <laughs> I don't know what you're going through, guys. But I know this, the same God that turns David's heart from being mad, fearful, worried, ashamed, slandered, we serve that same God. And he says to you and me, keep calm, trust me, and carry on. Father in heaven, bless these people today. May what we do and say here today impact the kingdom of heaven in this world. May we leave here with joy in our heart and a song on our lips that we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Lord, that you with you by our side, the devil cannot win. I trust, Lord, you'd help us to show that joy in our hearts and in our life as we leave this place today. And we'll thank you for all you do for us. Brother Michael's here. If you need to come today, if you've lost the ability to just keep calm and carry on, if you've got problems that you can't overcome, then let us pray with you because God can't overcome them. Come and talk to our pastor, myself. Stand with us and we'll have a time of invitation. If you need to come do business with God, come and take care of that today.